Well, it is good to be with you again this evening, and I too would say thank you for allowing us to come and share with you. It's been good to be here this weekend. Thank you for your prayers, for your attention, and for your support. Some of you know this, probably the rest of you assume it. It does take a lot of effort to do a weekend like this. There's many hours goes into preparing. There's things that I have to give up that maybe I would like to be doing. And yet I count it a privilege to have the opportunity. And I've been blessed the last week especially with the many people who have shared with me that they're praying for me as I've, as I've prepared to come and share. Different of you here have texted me or called me or whatever and let me know you're praying. Um, I have some, some friends from out of state that knew I was doing this and they texted me and let me know they were praying. Uh, other other friends in the valley text me and let me know they were praying. That that means a lot. I, I want to share this, and I may get in trouble for saying this, but I got a text a couple days ago from Janet Sell, and she let me know she was praying for me. And I, that just blessed me so much, <laughs> and and so I I responded to her and, and thanked her for sharing that and and. She texted me back and said, well, this is actually Jonathan, but um, yeah, it, it, it took a little bit away, but it was still a blessing that, <laughs> to have Jonathan praying for me as well. So I think I need to update my contacts. <laughs> so it's good to be a part of the body of Christ. Amen. It's good to have brothers and sisters that, that walk with us and, and encourage us as we fulfill the role that God has called us fulfill in his kingdom whatever that role is now the first evening i gave you three things that i believe is the purpose of the church do you remember what those three things were warn the sinner yeah glorify god encourage the saints yes or i said perfect the saints but yeah and so I trust that what's been shared this weekend has in some small way accomplished these things. And I, I trust also that it, it has inspired you to go out and continue to do these things, to glorify God as a body and as members of the body, to glorify God, to perfect the saints and to warn the sinners. Now, I want to open the message with a few verses from First Chronicles chapter 28. When I prepared to share this, I didn't realize that this was going to be our Sunday school lesson this morning, but I'm going to go ahead and share it anyway. We, we, we studied this in our Sunday school lesson. David wanted to build a house. We're talking about building the local body. David wanted to build a house for God, but God didn't allow him to because of the amount of blood that he had shed in his lifetime. And so David set out to, to help his son build this house. And he gathered all kinds of materials and made much preparation so that when Solomon came along, his job would be easier. And in 1 Chronicles 28, verse 10, David is giving his son a little pep talk. And here's what he says. Take heed now, for the Lord has chosen you to build a house for the sanctuary. Be strong and do it. And then verse 20, we read this. Then David said to Solomon, his son, be strong and of good courage and do it. Fear not. Be not dismayed, for the Lord God, even my God, is with you. He will not fail you or forsake you until all the work for the service of the house of the Lord 
is finished. So David tells his son, you have a job to do. Be strong and do it. Take courage, take heart, and do the job that God has called you to do. God is with you. He will not fail you. He will not forsake you. Now looking at the New Testament and the church. Jesus said, and I've already read this verse, maybe both messages already, but Jesus told His disciples, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will build my church. But He also told them, I give unto you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And, and I already told you this the first evening, but I don't, I don't profess to completely understand what that means, but it, it seems obvious to me that there's a certain degree of authority that, that Jesus has entrusted to us as believers to build His church. And so then Paul says in 1 Corinthians, um, I can't remember the, the chapter right now, but he said, no other foundation can any man lay than that which is already laid, which is Jesus Christ. But the verse before that he said, take heed how you build thereon. So Jesus is the foundation of the church. It's his church. We do it for him, but we are to build the church. And so I tell you this evening, as David told Solomon, be strong and do it. The Lord has chosen you to build him a, a church, to build a house. Be strong and do it. God is with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. And then I'm going to go to the next chapter in 1 Chronicles. 1 Chronicles 29. And David says this. This is verse 11. Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. For all that is in the heaven and in the earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come of thee, and thou reignest over all, and in thine hand is power and might, and in thine hand it is to make great and to give strength unto all. Now therefore, our God, we thank thee and praise thy glorious name. So, so David is praising God, exalting God, but then he says this, verse 14, But who am I? Who am I? And what is my people? that we should be able to offer so willingly after this sort. For all things come of thee, and of thine own have we given thee. And this is just a tremendous prayer of worship of David. After he'd done so much to build a house for God, he acknowledges the greatness of God, he acknowledges his power, his glory, his victory, his majesty. But then he says, who am I? Who am I to have this opportunity to do this? And may this be our attitude as we seek to build the kingdom of God. We have so little to offer, and yet God has chosen us, and He's entrusted it to us. But, but may we simply view ourselves as unworthy servants, only doing that which is our duty to do. So are you excited about the kingdom of God tonight? Do you love to be a part of the body of Christ? Do you love your local body? I would repeat what I said in the first message. 
Let's not fool ourselves into believing the law of the devil that says, I can be at odds with my local church. I can be a half-hearted, casual, couldn't care less, frustrated member of my local church. And yet God is just so pleased to have me a part of His kingdom. The reality of the universal church is lived out in the local body. I just wanted to read. I know you're going through this book here at Mabel. I don't know if you've got this far or not, but Brother Gary wrote a poem in this that really struck me because it seems that so often we want to be part of God's kingdom. We want to be His child, and yet our local body just doesn't quite suit us. It's just not quite what we want. It doesn't quite... We, we fuss about it. And yet that's not what God wants. And Gary wrote a poem, and probably many of you have read it, but here's what it is. It's called The Vibrant virtual church the man loved to tell of a church with such life that it never was bothered by gossip or strife a place where each member shared blessing around words thoughtless thought thoughtless or hurtful could never be found this church he told folks loved the hurting and lost and a wandering sheep was sought at great cost in prisons and alleys where evil was crowned he'd seen them there freeing those satan had bound when they met for service, each face had a glow. Their harmonious singing was never too slow. Their preaching was powerful, the best he had heard. The message was never by fear of man blurred. He fruitlessly searched, for he had a mind keen, for a church which compared to this church which he'd seen, where sweet gentle children were kind when they played. When one had a struggle, they all stopped and prayed. He looked the world over, searched churches around, yet never an equal to this one he'd found. Most churches have people who dabble with sin. Their members all struggle again and again. But this church, in contrast, had power within. He had watched it for years, and he'd never found sin. So the man grew discouraged as he struggled to find a church that compared with this church in his mind. He loved to recount just how churches should be, and he freely would try to help others see how glorious and perfect if they too could find this church that existed alone in his mind. So from church to church he continually bounced, as with zeal and great boldness he skillfully trounced each flaw that he found, and he freely maligned each church that was less than the one in his mind. Many times we sit down and bemoan and deplore, while God has before us a wide open door. But our minds are consumed by the fact that we find that our church isn't quite like the one in our mind. But I'm thankful, so glad, that our God didn't wait and offer salvation to only the great. T'was the feeble he died for, the halt and the blind. It was imperfect people he had in his mind. God has placed us in churches, imperfect and stressed, deficient, defective, deficient, lethargic at best. But when God's our focus, with joy we will find more glorious His church than the one in our mind. It's easy to, to find a fault with our local body, and yet that's not what God has in mind. No, we all know, none of us will find the perfect church. And so let's be, like we talked about this first night, transformed by the renewing of our mind. Become new creatures be spirit-filled people who build the church and not tear it down.
So, so may we be that kind of person. So the title this evening is Many Members, One Body. And you can turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapters 12 through 14 are all given in the same context. And the context is spiritual gifts. And more specifically, using our spiritual gifts in the context of the local brotherhood. God has given gifts unto men. And He has a purpose for these gifts. And the purpose for the gifts that God has given to men is to strengthen and edify the body of Christ. But the devil is a mastermind at taking these gifts that God has given given to us and using them to accomplish His purposes. Two examples. Samson. God gave Samson the tremendous gift of strength. And he did incredible things with this. God gave him this gift so that he could destroy the Philistines and serve his people. And yet, it was the Philistines that destroyed Samson because he failed to use his gift properly that God had given him. Another example is Solomon. He had the gift of wisdom. Tremendous wisdom. The, the, the wisest man that ever lived. And the purpose of this gift was to lead the people well. To lead God's people. And yet because of this wisdom, he acquired fame and fortune. And these things eventually led him away from God. And so the devil is a mastermind at taking these gifts that God has given to us and using them for his purposes. And so the purpose of the message this evening is to challenge us to use all the gifts of all the members of our local body to meet all the needs of the congregation. Use all the gifts of all the members to meet all the needs for the good of the church and for the glory of God. I want to read chapter 12, 1 Corinthians 12, verses 1 through 11. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant, Ye know that ye were Gentiles carried away unto these dumb idols, even as ye were led. Wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is Lord, but by the Holy Ghost. Now, now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of administration, but the same Lord. There are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom. To another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another the gift of healing by the same Spirit. To another the, the working of miracles. To another prophecy to another, discerning of spirits, to another, diverse kinds of tongues, to another, the interpretation of tongues. But all these worketh that one and the selfsame Spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. So verse 1, Paul says, now concerning spiritual gifts. And this implies that this is a subject that, that the 
that the Corinthians had had questions about previously. They obviously had asked Paul something about spiritual gifts. And here in this letter, he is addressing this question. So now concerning spiritual gifts. And Paul addresses the subject rather extensively. He takes three chapters to address this subject. It's obviously a subject that Paul felt was important. And I believe that it's important for us today as well. So, now concerning spiritual gifts, I have five points. And the first three, I'm going to take from verse 7. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. The first point I want to think of of this evening is that all our gifts have been given to us by God. All our gifts have been given to us by God. None of us here have acquired our gifts in and of our own strength. Everything we have has been given to us by God. Now there's not one passage that says this exactly, but there's numerous verses in this passage that imply this, and and the one is verse 7. He calls our gifts the manifestation of the Spirit. So in other words, it's, it's, it's God making Himself known in, in our life. God working through us to accomplish His purpose in our life. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. Verse 8, For to one is given by the Spirit. That's, that's God. It's given by God. It's given by the Spirit. And then you go uh, through those verses, verse 9, to another faith by the same Spirit. To another the gift of healing by the same Spirit. Verse 11, but all these worketh that one and the selfsame Spirit dividing to every man as He will. And so it's God that gives us our gifts. None of us have acquired our gifts on our own strength. There's also a verse in 1 Peter 4 that speaks of this. 1 Peter 4 verse 11 says this, If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth. Okay, which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ. So God gives it to accomplish His, to accomplish his purposes. And if we are going to glorify God with our gifts, we must establish this in our minds, that all that we have, have been given, has been given to us by God. If we take credit for it, we will exalt ourselves. If we give glory to God, we will exalt and honor Him. Some time ago, how many of you have read a book by Gary Miller? This one or another one? Probably many of you have read some of Gary Miller's books. I've been very blessed by Gary Miller's books. And several years ago, I had the opportunity to meet Gary. And, you know, I've I was kind of starstruck, you know, um, and I went up to him and I told him that he's really blessed me and his books have really blessed me. And now he could have responded to that in in several ways. He could have kind of sloughed it off and not, you know, they're no good. They're it's it's really nothing. He, or he could have said, yeah, you know, I've, I, I have a lot to, to tell the church and, and that's why I write my books. You know, I've got a good message. You need to hear it. Tell other people about it. But here's what he said. He said, I can only give what I have been given. That was, that was basically it. I can only give what I have been given. He didn't downplay his abilities. He didn't downplay what he's done. 
but he didn't take credit for it. He pointed my attention to someone greater than himself. So all our gifts have been given to us from God. The second point, we all have been given gifts. Every one of you here, from the least to the greatest, have been given gifts. Verse 7, the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man, is what Paul said. It's given to every man. Verse 11, and I'll read this verse out of the New King James. Verse 11 says this, But but one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as He wills. We all have been given gifts. Every one of us here who is part of the body of Christ has been given spiritual gifts. Some have gifts that are more visible than others. Some have gifts that seem to be more honorable than others, but we all have been given gifts. And they all are important in building the body of Christ. The third point I want to look at is we must use our gifts for the good of the body. And so verse 7 says this, the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. It's for the good of the body. It's not for my benefit. It's for the good of the body. Someone wrote, and I didn't write down who said this, but I read it somewhere. Gifts were not for private individual enrichment, nor for rivalry and jealousy, but for the benefit of all. And that's correct. It's not to build ourselves up. It's not to draw attention to ourselves. It's not to exalt ourselves. It's for the good of all. It's to build the body of Christ. In verses 3 through 11 of this chapter, the Spirit is mentioned nine times. And it often emphasizes that it's the same Spirit. It's the same Spirit that gives us all these different gifts. Verse 3. It's the infilling of the Spirit that enables us to call Jesus Lord. And then it says it's the same Spirit that gives one person the gift of wisdom. It's the same Spirit that gives another person the gift of knowledge. It's the same Spirit that gives another person the gift of prophecy. And, and, and on down the road. It's the same Spirit. And the thing I want us to notice here is that the same Spirit gives different gifts to different people, but the purpose is the same. The purpose of our gifts is to strengthen the body. We are members of the body, and not all the members have the same office, but the purpose is the same. It's to build the body. Now I want to read now, starting with verse 12. So after Paul talks about all that, now he uses the illustration of a body, a physical body, many members, one body. Here's what he says. Verse 12, For as the body is one, and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have all been made to drink into one Spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, Because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, Is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, Because I am not the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But now hath God set the members, get this, 
every one of them in the body as it hath pleased him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members, yet but one body. And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more, those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor. And our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. For our comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacked. Why? that there should be no schism or division in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. And where one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. So that's the example of a body, a physical body. But then he says this, verse 27, Now ye are the body of Christ, and members in particular. And God has set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, governments, diverse, diversities of tongues, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles, have all the gift of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret, but covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way. And then he goes into the love chapter. And I'm not going to read that at this point. We may read some later. But the beautiful illustration here of a body. One body. Many members. All working together for the good of the body. My hand is not trying to exalt itself. My feet are not trying to exalt themselves. They're serving the body. And it's a beautiful example of the way the church should function. Now there's some people thinking of the local body, the church, that, that overemphasize the body. They have the mentality that just so you're on the church roll, you're okay. And they don't take personal responsibility. And this is a, a trick of the devil. Okay? The body without Members supporting it is, is, is worthless, really. Other people overemphasize the members. All that matters is my relationship with Christ. The church is an organization, and it's good and it's fine, but it's not really necessary for my salvation. I can be a fine Christian without the church. And there may be just a touch of truth in those statements, but the reality is a member without the body is worthless. We can take all our members and we can lay them on a pile and they're worthless. We call this individualism. When, when I think that I can be a Christian without the body. <clears throat> now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. And whether you have gifts that are out there, everyone can see, everyone knows that, that you have this gift and it's a blessing and everything, or whether you're one that's just in the background, you're a prayer warrior. Whatever it is that you do that maybe people don't even see, you have a vital part to play in building the local body. Paul says the more honorable members aren't looking down on the less honorable parts, 
the less honorable members aren't coveting the greater positions. All are working together for the good of the body. And in verse 18, God has set the members, every one of them, in the body as it hath pleased them. Wherever you are in your role in church, God has put you there for a purpose. It has pleased Him to put you there. But never forget, it's for the good of the body. If God has given you the gift of administration, it's not for your benefit. It's for the good of the body. If He has given you the gift of prophecy, it's not for your benefit. It's for the good of the body. If God has given you the gift of music, it's not so you can be considered great. It's for the good of the body. Whatever it is, it's for the good of the body. I think that way too often our differing gifts can have the tendency to divide us instead of strengthening us. I have one gift, and I think that's the good gift. I think that gift is most important. And you have another gift, and you think that gift is most important. And we forget that it's the same Spirit that gives us these gifts. It's the same Spirit that gave me my gifts, that gave you your gifts. It's the same Spirit. And and the same Spirit enables each of us to do different things, but for the good of the body. Many members, but one body. Verse 25, he says that there should be no schism or no division in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. When one member suffers, every member suffers with it. When one is honored, all the members rejoice with it. If we, I would suggest that if we allow our differing gifts to divide us, then we are being led by a different spirit. It's not the same spirit. Now, I just want to add this. Paul doesn't include this in his illustration as a body, and I talked about it a little bit this morning, but I want to add it. The other part of this body that is so important is the head. And we talked about that this morning. The head of the body is Jesus Christ. All the members of the body get their signals from the head. That's where they get their direction. That is who is controlling the members. And I'll read this verse again that I think I've read in in both of the other messages. And He, Jesus, is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things He might have the preeminence. And so again, as members of the body, we are working for the good of the body to glorify our head, which is Jesus. To point all men to Jesus. Turn over now to chapter 14. Paul, in this chapter, speaks primarily of two gifts, the gift of tongues and the gift of prophecy. Now, I'm not going to spend a lot of time dissecting what these two gifts mean, but but the point I want you to understand is that there's a recurring theme that comes up through this chapter, and that is, Paul is saying, I want your gifts to strengthen the church. Whatever it is, I want your gifts to strengthen the church. And I'm just going to pick a few verses out of this chapter. I'm not going to read all of them. First one is verse 4. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself, but he that prophesieth edifieth the church. I would that ye all spake with tongues, but rather that ye prophesied. 
For greater is he that prophesieth than he that speaketh with tongues, except he interpret, that the church may receive edifying. So you, you get that here. Whatever your gift is, I want it to be done in a way that the church is edified. So if you come to church and you speak in tongues and nobody understands what you're saying and everybody goes away confused, you've done nothing. You've accomplished nothing. You brought maybe a little bit of fame to yourself, but you've really accomplished nothing because the church was not strengthened. And so unless there's someone to interpret what you're saying, don't do that because I want you to strengthen the body. Now verse 12. Even so... Forasmuch as ye are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek that ye may excel to the edifying of the church. And then I want to read verse 26. I'm going to read it out of the NIV. It says this, What then shall we say, brothers, when you come together, everyone has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation? All of these must be done, why? For the strengthening of the church. So it's this recurring theme that we see throughout this chapter that whatever gift God has given you, however you use it, it must be done for the good of the church. It is never for your benefit. It's never to glorify yourself. All right, the fourth verse then, the fourth point then that I want to make this evening is this. Seek to excel in spiritual gifts. Seek to excel in in spiritual gifts. Now I understand that this point may ruffle some of our conservative feathers, but please stick with me until I'm finished here. There's two phrases that I want to think about in relation to this point. Seek to excel in the gifts that God has given to you. The first one is this. Verse 31 of chapter 12, Paul says this, But covet earnestly the best gifts. Covet earnestly the best gifts. So it's this idea that you are seeking the best gifts. You're trying to obtain the best gifts. That's what he says. Covet earnestly the best gifts. And then in chapter 14, verse 1, he says this. Follow after charity and desire spiritual gifts. Have a longing for spiritual gifts. Covet the best gifts. And then he says, this is verse 12, so once you have this desire, once you're longing to be the best you can in the kingdom of God, you're you're longing for these gifts, you're coveting these gifts, then he says, this is chapter 14, verse 12, even so ye, forasmuch as ye are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek, that ye may excel. Why? To the edifying of the church. So Paul says that once you become passionate about obtaining these gifts, seek to excel in these gifts. Now, I don't know how you feel about this point. I think typically for us, we, we push back from this. Because... We've seen the dangers of higher education. We've seen the pride that follows closely behind excelling in anything. We as people don't do well at, at humbly excelling in our gifts. Okay, that's, we've, we've proven that. We don't do very good at humbly excelling. And yet in spite of these things, Paul says, seek to excel. So what's he saying here? 
Well, he tells us the purpose. The purpose is to build up the church. Now, I want you to, to grasp Paul's burden here for the church. Now, I feel certain that there was people in Paul's days that were using their gifts to glorify themselves. And Paul doesn't react to that and say, don't, don't excel in these gifts. He doesn't say that. Rather, he says, seek to excel, but use these gifts to strengthen the church. Now, like many subjects, this issue of excelling in our gifts has a ditch on both sides. And I would, well, some like to emphasize developing our gifts. And they do it to the extent that they compromise biblical principles and the body as a whole is not edified. That's one ditch. I would suggest that in our circles, this is typically not the ditch that we fall into. We, have, we tend to have our concerns about excelling, and for good reason. I'm not dismissing those concerns. We don't want to become proud of what we can do, and yet this can also be a ditch, and it can also come with a cost. Someone who is transformed, we talked about that the first night, someone who is transformed, who is walking after the Spirit of God, and they take these gifts that God has given him or her. They take these gifts and they seek to develop these gifts and use them for the good of the church and for the glory of God. Those people can have a tremendous impact on the body. And if we hinder this, and if we don't allow these people to excel in their gifts, we lose that blessing. And so I would just tell us, seek to excel in spiritual gifts. Now, we should walk beside these people. We should encourage these people. We should hold them accountable. They need us, just like we need them. But let's seek to excel in spiritual gifts with the goal of strengthening the church for the good of the body. As I look around I told you that we recoil from this idea of excelling. But as I look around at our conservative circles, I would suggest to you that we have no problem with excelling. The problem is, well, let me just say this. We tend to excel in the things that are most important to us. We have no problem with exerting effort to become better at our trade or better at our hobbies. Those of us who are dairy farmers, we go to great lengths to get a few more pounds of milk out of a cow. Some time ago, I heard a report about a, a, a program, a, a dairy program. I think it was called the Milk Quality Improvement Program. And it was five, five farms, five dairy farms that had received a reward for this Milk Quality Improvement Program. The one name I didn't recognize, the, four, the other four were conservative people. Okay, we don't have a problem with excelling. Let's just acknowledge that. But we excel at the things that, that are most important to us. Amish furniture, considered to be the best. Okay, we don't have a problem with excelling. But let's put that same effort and even more into developing the gifts that build the church. Seek to excel in gifts that build the church.
Now, I want to um, also say this. It's good and right to develop the gifts that you have been given, but never allow yourself to excel to the point that you can no longer submit to the local body. And this obviously is the other ditch. But if we excel in our gifts to the point that we can no longer relate with the least of these, then we have gone too far. We are no longer building the body. If we excel in our gifts to the point that we begin to compromise biblical principles, then we've gone too far. We're no longer building the local body. If these things happen, we are being led by the wrong spirit and we are no longer glorifying God with, your, with our gifts. So, for as much as ye are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek that ye may excel to the edifying of the church. The last point then is that we can excel in our gifts, but if our heart isn't right, it's worthless. And we get this out of 1 Corinthians 13. We know this as the love chapter. It's given in the context of spiritual gifts. Paul says this, the last verse of chapter 12, Covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and have not charity, I am become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy, and understand all mysteries, and all knowledge, and though I have faith, so that I could remove mountains, and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. And then he goes on to describe what true love, true charity really is. And I'm not going to read all those verses. But what I want you to see here is that Paul lists a whole list of things that we can do. Spiritual gifts that we can excel in. We can have the gift of prophecy. We can have all knowledge. We can have faith enough to move mountains. We can give everything we have to the poor. We can even give our life. But if we have not charity, it's worthless. It profiteth us nothing. And what a sobering thought that I can spend my life seeking to excel in something, in the best gifts. I can give everything I have for a cause. And yet if I do not have a sincere love for God and for my fellow man, it profiteth me nothing. So may we seek to use the gifts that God has given us as a result of our love for Him. When we see the love that has been extended to us as sinners, God sending His Son to die for us. And we, we understand the price that was paid for our redemption. And we become Spirit-filled believers like we talked about the first night. And that Spirit working in us draws us to a community of believers where we are unified not because our interests are the same or were the same, but we're unified because we have the mind of Christ. We have the Spirit of God dwelling in us. And it's, it's that indwelling presence of God that unites us together. And as we join ourselves to that body and as we fellowship with these believers, we want to do everything we can to build that body 
and to make it more like Christ and to, to, to push it forward. Jesus said the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. And we, as, we, as we are part of this body, we see these gates that Satan is putting up to stop the church. And we're doing everything we can to keep this church moving forward, advancing, barging through these gates, knocking them down, and pushing forward in the kingdom of God, building the kingdom of God. So to sum up these chapters, God has placed you in the body where it has pleased Him. He has given you spiritual gifts. And our love for God and our love for the church should inspire us to develop these gifts and use these gifts not so that we can receive praise, but so that the body can be edified and God can be glorified. Now several years ago, I preached a message similar to this. And in that message, I told them that you need to discover your gift. And and I changed my mind on that. I would encourage you as you seek to excel in the best gifts, don't you decide what you should be doing and what you shouldn't be doing for the kingdom of God. Go read the Bible. It's full of stories of God doing impossible things through unlikely people. Ruth, the Moabitess, Daniel, a captive, a young captive in a foreign land, and Joseph, Rahab, the harlot, the twelve disciples, just these rudy fishermen and tax collectors and, and all these, these people. God even spoke through a donkey. Okay, He can use you. He can take you if you are surrendered to Him and call you to whatever position He wants in the church. And so He doesn't call you to decide what you should and shouldn't be doing. But rather, He calls you to be faithful to Him. Every area of your life, every opportunity you've been given, do it with all your heart. Seek to excel in whatever opportunity God places in your path. There's a preacher, he is no longer living, but I would say probably one of the more powerful speakers I've ever heard. And he told the story one time of the first opportunity that he was given to speak in front of a church. He was supposed to share his testimony, his life story. And he said he got up there and he was a total wreck. And he, he, he was shaken and he, he, I think he said he talked for about three minutes. And finally his wife bailed him out and, and they, they got through the evening. Give him 25 years and he was one of the most powerful speakers I ever heard. He allowed God to use him. He was faithful to God. And God took that man and anointed his lips and made him into a, a, a powerful person that could build his kingdom. And so may we seek to develop and use the gifts that God has entrusted to us, not for my glory and my benefit, but for the good of the body of Christ. And may God receive the glory. We are a part of the body of Christ and members in particular. May we use all the gifts of all the members to meet all the needs of our local body. The Lord bless you. Shall we have a song?